Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on Solitaire Board Games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 194. Mayday, mayday, we are under fire. Do you copy? I like it. Okay. I was trying to think if I should say something, but no. No, I, I think that we have pretty well pretty well established that's my job to say something. <laughs> yeah. I, I try and try and add something at the end, but if I do, it usually just makes it worse. <laughs> Not better. Oh, Albert. Well, you know, hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. And if it doesn't, let Julius wear it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome back. Hi, Albert. How are you doing tonight? Hello, everybody. Yeah, I'm doing well, but this is a grim episode. A grim episode? Did you burn down the world? Yeah, it's a game about death and destruction and just utter loss. <laughs> death, destruction, utter loss. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because that's because we're talking about Under Falling Skies, a Indeed. new game from Czech Games Editions, which is a solo-only game. This is a game designed for one player, and that's pretty darn neat. Mm-hmm. We've had a bunch of those lately. Have we? Sure seems like it. Seems like it. Uh, the, I think the uh, Renegade Games Solo Hero series, but I can't think what else other than this coming out. Yeah, maybe you're right. It just feels like it to me. Like, well, because two of them came out in a row. Two's a lot. I mean, it also <laughs> helps that it's sort of the focus of our podcast, so we are probably quite aware of it. <laughs> that's a fair point there. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And yeah, Warp Sedge and uh, you're right. Pocket Latchet. <laughs> I think I, I think this should be the year of uh, space games. I disagree. Because so far we've had two. Oh? I, I disagree. I think this would be like your okay. semi of Uve where it was like two or three. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I played um I played uh Newsford last night. That was a lot of fun. So, so I'll so extending it. Let's go ahead and start talking about Underfalling Skies. Okay, let's do that. So the theme, as we've already said, is death and destruction and mayhem. It is a game about an alien invasion. If you've uh, ever watched the TV series V back in the 80s or so, or watched Independence Day, you kind of get the idea. This is a movie where aliens have attacked Earth and are about to destroy it and, and take it over. And I don't know what they, their plan is ultimately, but... I'm sure it's not good. Well, I mean, it kind of does explain what the plan is. Does it? Okay. Yeah, the story does explain what the plan is. In case you're not aware, the game comes with a base set. um, So you can play the game with the stuff that comes in the box, but that's only a quarter of the components in the box. When you pick up the box, you'll find it's quite heavy with all the cardboard that is printed towards the campaign. So you're missing out a whole lot if you don't play it with the campaign stuff or at least just unpack all the campaign stuff and just play random games with the campaign stuff. Um, So it is a campaign game. The campaign game does tell about the story of it. We are going to be talking first about the base game and then we're going to be talking about the campaign for this uh, review. Mm -hmm. Yep. Hopefully spoiler free. Well, no, we're going to be story spoiler free. Uh, yeah, yeah. We are not going to be mechanic spoiler free. We are going to talk all about the mechanic of the expansion as we get to it. Okay, I'm fair with that. I'm good with that. Listeners, you've been warned. We're going to give away some of the mechanics get introduced later on in the game. We may warn you again. We may not. 
So, so that's the. So we talked a little bit about the theme and what type of game it is, right? It's an alien invasion. They're attacking Earth, and and this is a game where you're fighting the ships, the fighter ships as they're attacking. You're you're you're, you're in your ships or your your city base defending it. It's also like the game, um, the old video game. What was Asteroids. It? Defender, yeah. Wait, not Defender. No, not Asteroids either. Oh, what's the one called? Where Missile Command. Oh yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Ah, classic. So that's what the game's about. I think we've kind of given everybody an idea, whether you're young or old. Uh, what is uh, the next thing we do? Rules? Rules, my friend. I never remember. I should stick this up next to my monitor. So rules. Okay, the game, the rules are pretty darn simple. There's not a whole lot to this game. I don't remember finding anything that confused me in the rules at all. Um, though I did make a couple mistakes that I fixed. But it's it's pretty simple game. Um, I, I do agree. I think overall the rules are pretty simple. I will say that there is an error in the printing of the rules that comes with a game. Um, oh, I didn't catch it. Because the rules do present that there's a way of making the game harder and easier. Um, and you can flip over. So the way it's going to be set up is you're going to have your city below, which you're going to slowly be leveling up, building, adding excavating new rooms for and then the top is going to be the sky where the mothership is going to be slowly advancing and the the enemy ships are going to be quickly advancing to blow up your city um on the sky you can flip over the tokens to make it more or less difficult as you want um when I'm playing, I tend to flip over two of the skies. I think Albert tends to flip over one or none of the skies. None. You can, absolutely none. None. But you can make it easier or harder. Um, this is probably why Albert doesn't know about the error in the rules, because um, there is an icon listed on one of the more difficult base city tiles, uh, base sky tiles rather that is not mm-hmm. mentioned to the rule book or anywhere else oh. and they just forgot <laughs> about it because until you make the game more difficult you will never know about it so oops um oh okay <laughs> that's interesting i'm gonna have to look for that it's a relatively obvious icon it just means do a damage to your base to your city but it's missing from the rules um one other nitpick about the rules, and this becomes more of an issue when you're playing the campaign, is that because the campaign continues to add more rules, sometimes you'll be like, wait, I don't remember how this this particular thing works. Which of these different pieces of paper is it in? And you'll sometimes have to just look around and see where it is. Nothing you can really mm-hmm. do about that for any sort of campaign game, unless you're doing like stickers added to a rule book or something. But it's, I suppose, just something to be aware of. Mm-hmm. yeah one last that, that is the one weird thing that that's yeah. the one weird thing where the where the stuff is just introduced and and then you, like you say you have to flip through sheets but it's only four sheets right there's four chapters in the game so it's not too bad yeah it's not too bad and i think it's also like relatively easy for the rules it's usually just for confirmation like which way was it it's not like you're constantly having to review it mm-hmm. one more thing that i did find unclear in the rules is that if you're playing the campaign game, so you're supposed to track the difficulty that you're playing the whole the, the campaign on because you can theoretically increase or decrease the difficulty as you wish each time you're playing. So if you're thinking midway through the campaign that this is 
too easy or too hard. You do have the ability to make your next game harder or easier than you just flip over more sky tiles. When you're setting up the campaign, it tells you to keep track of how many sky tiles you flip. But it's technically, you can use, there's these stars that indicate how difficult it actually is because some things will come out that gives you gold stars to make it easier over the course of the game. There'll be allies that come out. Um, And there are some things that come over the course of the game, like scenarios or increased difficulty sky tiles that come out that make things harder and add extra stars. So it doesn't tell you like, are you supposed to write down your total difficulty after flipping sky tiles and including all of that? Or do you just base it on how many sky tiles are flipped? The rules aren't quite clear because they actually say something different when you're starting the campaign than something when you're at the end of the campaign. So I suppose it doesn't really make a difference because in the end, it's really just for you for tracking like how well you did over the course of the campaign. So if you feel like tracking yourself based on total difficulty, fine. If you want to track yourself based on just you know, how many sky tiles you flip, that's fine. It's really just an indicator of your personal success. But it certainly is a, a rules yep. vagary that bothered me because I was like, well, I, I, my, my thing's not right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, at the very end after the campaign, there's a section for how to play standalone using any combination of components. And then it explains the difficulty there, how you add up the stars. But it, it doesn't say that if that's what you do for the campaign or not. It's, a, it's at the end of the rules. Oh, no. After the campaign section, there's a section called Spice Up Your Standalone Game. Yes. And there it explains how to add up all the star points. Yeah, which is which is kind of weird, right? Because they don't tell you to use the stars for the campaign, like you're saying. They tell you afterwards, but it sure seems like you need to use the stars to figure out your, your difficulty for the campaign. Yeah, especially based on the reference of how... The campaign mm-hmm. totals your stars, but it, it's yeah, it's not really important. It, it isn't. It does. It's just to just to rate yourself if if you really want to. That being said, let's move on to the components. Albert, what do you think about the components for this game? They're really nice. They're well made. Um, I mean, you open this box. Inside it is it's basically just solid cardboard. <laughs> There's <laughs> yeah, basically no empty space in there, um, and it's all boards and boards and boards and like things that could have been a card like the those uh, allies scenarios. that help you out the scenarios the, the, the allies the yeah. scenarios the allies those could have been on a card but they put them on a nice solid board um which is really nice so the components are pretty impressive the board's interesting because it's the way it's set up it's modular because the aliens are attacking from space down to earth it's a very tall vertical board very skinny probably six maybe eight inches wide but i'd say it's 18 inches tall yes it's all modular so you could depending which game you're playing you're going to switch a lot of pieces around from one game to the next potentially so here are my thoughts on the components i definitely Mm -hmm. agree with you that it's all very nice it's nice looking art looks it's very heavy and they've definitely done premium style components for much of the game um mm-hmm. and right now I'm basically just talking about all the stuff that is in game as well. Can you still hear me? You went out for a second. Okay. Well, I'm just going to continue. But yeah, but I hear you now. Um, okay. There's a little bit of plastic and a little bit of wood in the game and I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about all the stuff that's cardboard. And 
the and for the cardboard, I think that it all looks really nice. I have one issue with it. First of all, when you're setting it up, so essentially you're taking these tiles, which are rectangles, and line them up so that it's like a really tall piece on your player board. And sort of like it's it's not a normal square like you would have for a regular game. You do need to sort of like orient yourself that this is going to be a game where the top of the board is going to be quite a bit away from you. Because it's mm-hmm. the second issue that I had multiple times is that this there's there's no number indicator for how the sky tiles line up in terms of sort of like graphic design. It goes from lighter to darker as you're lining up the sky tiles, but it's not like one, two, three, four, and you can easily line them up. It, it doesn't do that. So a couple times I'd be like, Oh, wait a second. That doesn't line up. Right. And I have to swap it once I started the game and theoretically all set up because it's not easily, it's not, it, it's not super easy to be able to tell what the order is. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this should, this should have been numbered. You're right, but I mean, and if you look at them closely, you could see that the dark, the farthest tile is darker, and then a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter, and it blends nicely. Yeah, but you gotta look so at it look, nicely. You gotta look. I mean, yes. they could have even yeah. like. And and if you have trouble with colors, potentially you couldn't tell. I don't they, know. I don't they know could have tied it into the art and even been like little circles, like have a one, two, three, and four little circles tied into the icons on the left and the right. Like there are ways they could have made it look normal and tie and, and not look out of place. That just it's just not there. <laughs> it's just simply not there. <laughs> Yep. You know, you're saying that and I'm looking at my boards as we speak and it does have on the upper corner little circles, but, but I think those are to tell you what chapter. The little circles for one, two, Boy, three, small. and four. Yeah. Those are for the chapters. Yeah. It has. I never even noticed them before. Mm-hmm. They're so small. Yeah. That's, that's not tied to the, the board layout. So. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's just something you're going to have to remember to deal with. It could be a little hard to make. That's like you said, it's not a big deal. I mean, it, but it definitely is. is annoying when you set the game you're playing, you start sending a person down like, wait a second, I've got my ships out here and this is swapped. Start <laughs> over. It happened to me, I mean, <laughs> over the eight times that I've played it so far, it's happened to me only once, but still, like, why do that? Like, it's definitely could have been easily fixed. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and, and this is honestly we're griping about something that's pretty minor. It's it's not going to affect the game a whole lot, I think. Even if you got it wrong order, probably may it might it might change it some, well, but probably not a whole. Here lot. is something that can maybe gripe a bit about more. Also, um, I don't know if you're the sort of person who wants it to stay evenly lined up, but they could have had like little yeah. teeth cut into the boards so that they could have held in place maybe a touch better but it's smooth on top which on the one hand makes it slightly easier yep. to go back in the box but on the other hand means yep. that it it doesn't stay it doesn't stay in place very well yeah puzzle piece edges would have been awesome in this and then that would have made it easy to to line them up in the right order right yeah each puzzle, each like kind of different shape puzzle piece or whatever. But you know, um, it, it yeah. If, if lining up is really important, if you're really picky about that sort of thing, this is a game that gets that's hard to line up and it doesn't always stay in place anyway. Especially because there's this big mothership piece that starts at the very top, but as as the game progresses, it's descending down, 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 getting closer to the city, and you're sliding that over the board as you play. I find that's always a little hard to 
to keep lined up and messes things up for me and, and whatnot. Also, and at first I was trying to be really careful. Also, I strongly <laughs> imagine that one reason why they didn't do that is because just the process of printing it can cause the pieces to be slightly misaligned. And if they were to say, hey, it, it connects in some way, then the misalignments would be even more noticeable, I think. So mm-hmm. maybe they didn't. Yeah, do the die cutting would be really tr- tricky. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, could be. Could be. But then again, later on, when you start playing the game, the fact that it's so modular, you could, if you get bored of playing it the, the way it's set up, you could mix them up and like use all the top tiles for the skies or all the bottoms or, or whatever. You would drive me insane, but yes, you could. I would, I would literally yeah. stick the rules please on you. <laughs> that well, that, and that's the thing. I think this game, when you're not doing the campaign, you have a huge freedom to play it the way you want, which is a pretty darn neat. neat so idea. I think we've covered all we'll the cardboard involved in the box. I just want to mention that there are some other wood and plastic pieces in there. For plastic, I'm referring mostly to the little ships. There are nine, ten plastic ships, excuse me, that come in the game orange white and purple and they're all the same little plastic ship cutout the sort of alien looking ship um looks pretty nice easy for me to pick up i was concerned when i opened it up that because i know we have to move it a lot i was concerned that they would be too small and because of the triangly type top shape they had that it would be difficult to pick up but i don't really have that problem mm-hmm. so i'm happy with that design it looks nice on the board um there are also some plastic, uh, tra- essentially it's just tracking pieces for tracking how much damage your base has and how far you are on the research track. So it's just plastic cubes. Yep. And then tiny little plastic cubes. And then it has some Bandages. wood involved in it also. The f- first wood piece that I want to talk about is your excavator, which you use to track how far on the board you've excavated. It's a nice little meeple with a screen print on it looks nice i kind of wish that it had a little bit of screen print on the top for just the following reason on the (laughs) screen print it has a reminder that you need to pay an energy when you move it i definitely when i was playing originally found that to be useful because i wouldn't always remember to pay that energy if i didn't notice that oh yeah we have to pay that energy certainly as i played it more i remembered it but if that energy would have also been printed on the top and I could have like actually laid my excavator sort of standing on the board, I sometimes wanted to play that way and I think it would have been nice. But I definitely understand that's a much more difficult thing to print. It's just the sort of thing that I would have loved to have seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it never occurred to me to to lay the, the thing on its side. So I always looked at it and it's just a, a plain orange uh, wooden bit. <laughs> because <laughs> you're looking down at the game you don't really see the excavator the sides especially because that is always really close to you in the table the excavator <laughs> yeah yep right yeah it's never like up at the top end of the board that's always underground yeah i hear you under your city or, or at least if you're doing well it is mm. so well yeah it's the true. last well no matter it's yeah it's under the city no matter what mm-hmm. right The last set of wood pieces that we have are the wooden dice. And the game comes with a bunch of wooden dice that you'll roll and that will be used for determining the strength of a room and also used for determining how far ships move when you use a room. And so all the dice are wooden. I don't know why they picked to use wooden dice instead of plastic dice. Um, I personally prefer plastic, but I haven't replaced these. I don't know if I will. Mm, I think it's it's cost-related. I think wooden dice are cheaper. Are they? 
I'm not sure about that. I believe so, yeah. And this brings, what, six dice? Seven dice. There's seven dice. Three gray, two white, and two, two blue. Are you intending on replacing them? Yep. Do you also prefer plastic dice to wood dice? I do prefer plastic. I'm, I might replace some of them because I have I have a lot of extra dice in different colors. I'll just have to, if I do replace them, I'll have to pick something that the colors match more or less at least. Not, like not necessarily white dice, but at least <laughs> two dice that I have there that I like and are similar style to each other <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, so, so yeah, so, you know, functional wooden dice. Mm-hmm. The, the, what we didn't really talk about is the cities, which is also more cardboard, which I think are interesting because each city is made up of three tiles. There, there is a, the top tile that is just a, an empty space that the ships will descend onto and land. Which also and it always has power, some ability. Right? Yes. Each city has a different ability. The base game brings three cities. The campaign is going to bring another, what is a it? A bunch. 14? I think, yeah, 14 cities. There's 17 cities total in the box. Uh, each city has different power. And the first time you play, if you lose, then after that, next time you play, you could flip over the city of the backside where it's damaged. But really what that gives you is a, a more stronger power. So the second time you play, you kind of got a little bit of a better chance to win. Um, and you use that if you want an easier difficulty. The There's two other tiles for each city. And they're the... I guess they're like the tunnels underneath the city where all the defense systems are. The resistance base. And yes, Julius mentioned the excavator. You're digging out the tunnels and unlocking more spaces deeper down. And when you do that, that gives you more abilities and more options on what you can do each turn. Um, we could, you know, I guess we could start talking about the, how the gameplay works and whatnot, because this is pretty much leading into it. Let's do it. Yeah. So the way the game works is these aliens are tagging, right? There's a mothership at the very top of this really tall board. The And there's going to be eight little ships on the mothership, these little plastic ships. Each turn, they're going to start descending on you, going down the, the length of that really tall board, which is, I don't know, like 20, 25 spaces tall at first. And each turn, they'll go down some number of spaces, depending on... This is a dice placement game, depending on how you place the dice on your board. The you're going to place the dice on different spaces under your city to give you different actions or abilities. So you're going to each game you're going to roll the each round you're going to roll the three gray dice and the two white dice, and then you're going to start playing them under your city. The space there's different types of spaces. Whatever space you put it on, you're going to get that ability with the die that you place there at the end of the round. The generally speaking, the higher the number the better it is for, for what you do. It's going to give you more points to do stuff with, um, whether it's shooting down enemies or... Getting power or, discovering, or researching. Getting power, yeah, research. R- research defeating it, because that's how you win the game, is you raise your research track all the way to the end, which I'm not really sure how that correlates to fighting a ship, but that's okay. You're researching the um, enemy anti-attack. Okay, that works for me. Um... So, so like I said, getting high numbers is really good because you're going to be able to do a lot of stuff. The problem is every time you place a, a die, there's five columns on the board and there's five dice. You're going to put each die in a different column. Whatever column you put the die in, the little ships in, on the mothership that are in that column are going to descend that many spaces. So the higher you row, the faster they come down to your city. And 
and damage your city, which is terrible. Because I think if your city takes about five damage or maybe six, it depends game on the over, city. you lost. Depends on the city? Okay, that's right. And so that's basically what you do in every game is you're rolling the dice, placing them, and taking actions. And, and hopefully getting that research track all the way to the top before the enemies have descended upon your city and destroyed you. Um, it, it sounds relatively simple. There's a lot more to it in terms of where you choose to place the dice and the color of the dice, right? I mentioned there's the white and the gray. The, the, what matters there is the white die. Whenever you place a white die on the board, you then re-roll the, all the remaining dice. And this is one of the probably one of the bigger ways to deal with luck mitigation in this or to get luck mitigation, I should say, to, to deal with your luck. Um, so sometimes you want to, like if you got a lot of high numbers and you really need low numbers for whatever reason, you may want to place the white die first to get some rerolls, or you may really like all the numbers you have and want to save the white for the end, you know, whatever. So so every turn you're spending a lot of of your time, I think, trying to decide which order you want to place the dice. Also, which column you want to place them in, because you want to decide what ability you get within each column on which space you want to put it because there's multiple spaces on the column. Um, gosh, there's so many things that you got to factor I think in. also when the ships a, descend. I think advantage to, uh -huh. load, uh, to luck mitigation, you said. I think it's not just that the re-rolls is the luck mitigation. It's also that the low dice can also be beneficial because as mentioned, the, the ships descending – the faster they descend, mm -hmm. the more damage they're going to do to your base. So if you're putting low dice on there, theoretically, that's giving you more time to refresh some of your better rooms, more time to keep the excavator going, because if you're only doing one big die around, then the rest of the ships aren't really moving, so you're not really being threatened by the ships. You may be threatened by the mother ship, but at the very least, the other ships aren't threatening you. Um so the low mm -hmm. ships can be advantageous. Additionally, with low dice, um, the, when the ships move, there are different icons on the sky about things they'll do. Like maybe they'll move. Uh, well, actually, I guess the mothership can move the excavator back. But the ships can move left and right, or in later ones, they can teleport between spaces, um, or they can cause the mothership to descend. And if you can get a bunch of ships in a single column, at that point in time, you're praying for a low die because you could put a low die in that column and then like three or four ships won't move because you've got them all in the same column and you can act with almost impunity on all the rest of the spots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't get that happening to me often, but whenever that happened, that that is nice. I tried to get it happen yeah. often, so I did. <laughs> it's, it's nice. It never occurred to me. Okay, so so now we know why you keep winning and I keep losing. Aha! Oh, uh, well. <laughs> so there's an there's another thing. The spaces, you know, Julius was mentioning how there's different things that could happen when you're when those alien ships descend onto space where they can move. There's also specific spaces where you could shoot at them that they have like a, an explosion icon on there and a number. And whenever there's a ship on that space, if you place a worker die on the um, I don't know what the, the orange space is what they're called where where you get to fire at the enemy then you could shoot them off the board fighters. and basically send either send them back to the mothership. What was it? Fighters. Again? Fighters. Okay, the, so the fighter spaces. You could either shoot the, the ships off the board entirely for the white and orange ones or put them way back at the top and they got to start descending from the top again. And that is another important thing to, to keep them from getting to your bases. But so, so when you're taking your turn, you're placing the dice, you're trying to decide, okay, which is the 
right die to put in this base to get it on explosion or to avoid hitting one of those mother ship spaces where it's going to descend the mother ship in extra spaces round or or what do I got to use to get it to go left and right and you're trying to figure all these things out while at the same time you're trying to manage what resources you're getting on the bottom so you could actually take actions and it's just a lot of a lot of things to to choose and keep track of each turn and i think because there's so many choices there's not that much uh luck in the game even though it is totally a die game <laughs> um I think, I think we've discovered the discovered uh, the explained most of the mechanics in a very detailed and yet rambly way. The the one thing we didn't mention yet is at the end of the turn, you you've placed all your dice. Now you can take them off one at a time, and whatever action space they're on, you get to take that action. Um, I don't think we need to discover the. There we go again. Explain the actions in detail, unless you want to. I think so. But, um, okay, suffice it to say, you'll take all your actions then at the end, and then finally the mothership will descend one... Boy, my words are just terrible today. <laughs> will descend one more space on that track, it, which will then give it some special ability, which is always bad. It might bring in more fighter ships to attack you. It might set your excavator back, which covers more of these spaces that you had available for yourself, and now you got to uncover them again with your excavator. Or, or may do other stuff. But again, generally it's all bad. And and not only that, but your your track is getting shorter. And as, as your track gets shorter, the game gets a little more tense and your choices start kind of running out because, because you've got to have little dice for all the ships all the time, it seems. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. It's really interesting mechanics. Really interesting. Agreed. So let's talk about uh, some of our comments on it. There's one comment to begin with, Albert. How difficult did you find the game? Oh, it's terrible. It's so hard. No, um, that's not entirely true. I found that I could win the game in the in the campaign, the first few chapters of it. The the last couple were much harder. Or the 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 final chapter was really hard, and I, I could not win that at all. And this was always playing under easy difficulty. I could just barely win or 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 win more than half the time, but not much more, up until the campaign end. So I found it a pretty challenging game, and this is always under the basic difficulty. So, I, I never, I never made it hard. I the the way the campaign works is it encourages you the first couple of times to play down in the campaign and figure out sort of what difficulty level you think is appropriate, and mm-hmm. then play through the campaign at that difficulty level. So I was playing a couple of games before the campaign, and I won on zero one. It seemed like relatively easily. Um, but then I played on two and so on two, the first couple of games I played on that, it was nail biting and it came down to, at the end, literally just, just barely squeaking by. I said, I think two is where we want to be. So I played through most of the campaign <laughs> on two. Um, and I definitely made a couple times easier in the campaign, uh, when I was like, this is just way too hard. Um, and made it a touch easier just essentially so that I wouldn't lose a city. <laughs> like if I'd already lost one and I lost one just with a blowout, I'm like, we're just going to, rather than just flipping over the city, we're also going to unflip over one of the skies. Just make it such easier. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't yet. I, I do like that. You have that freedom. Yes. I, I like that a lot. You can make it. If you, if you like always like, like if you're a person that wants to win every time, but win closely. So it's exciting. You could do that. If you're a person that wants to, to make it as hard as you can and, and you know win 30% of the time, you could do that. Indeed. If you want a super simple game, you could do that. 
Well, I can't. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> Others can do that. I don't even know if it's super simple. Like, I, I don't know. I, I suppose I haven't played really enough on zero. I played twice on zero. Um, but both times I felt like I won easily, I guess. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I have not yet played through the final mission. Um, I've gotten up to the final mission, so I'm aware of what it does. And it, it is a nice climax of the campaign. I certainly appreciate that it's there, but I have not yet had an opportunity to actually play that final campaign. That being said, I've played through quite a number of games with the rest of it um, and certainly appreciate it. And I appreciate the difficulty level where it's being at. I think that it is certainly enough that it can challenge you. I like that you can increase the difficulty and you're encouraged to increase the difficulty. Um, so I certainly like the difficulty. I find it strange though, that I'm hearing different levels of difficulty from different people. Like some people say, yeah, I like it at two and three. And people are like, man, zero is impossible already. I can't imagine getting to one even. I, I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. Sometimes the game clicks with somebody and you figure it out and you know, you just see strategy really quick and sometimes you don't. Could be. I mean, yeah, I know. I remember there's some, I don't even know what it was, some game where you played it and you struggled it and I found it too easy. <laughs> and it was the same sort of thing. I don't know why Julius is having so much trouble. It was an easy oh. game. So I think it's just. Uh, it's uh, the, the. This is your type the of card, game. Oh man, the card game with the buildings. Oh, oh my, oh my goods. goods. Is that it? <laughs> well, that I wouldn't call that easy, but it did. That's the one where I played like thirty times to, to oh, win. Oh, I still haven't even won once, so maybe that's what. <laughs> well, it's yeah. Doing. So I found it easier, but either way, <laughs> yeah, it's just you know, it's some something about the game clicks with you, and, and you got this one, and, and you're you're doing really well, and and you're probably getting more out of it than I am because for me it's such a struggle. <laughs> The campaign games, I will say, when I play them, we're not even just a campaign, a game in general, as as time progresses and the mothership is lowering, it gets more tense for me and stressful. <laughs> and I find that the, I don't enjoy that last half of the game as much because it is so stressful. I hear you. And then I lose. Yeah, you <laughs> definitely have to plot out what it is that you're doing. I've definitely found a bunch of the times where I've laid out, you know, six different uh, or not even six five different dice and i've like laid out the dice of where i want to put them with an idea and like move ships mm-hmm. down like do i put here and then this one can go here and then i can line it up and so yeah it's uh it's tricky it's tricky it is yeah and, and I'll, I'll do something similar like when when i first place my dice instead of placing them down in the bottom spaces i will put them on the board where i think i, sh- I want each die and, and place them there and once i think i've got the ones I want in the right order, because sometimes the order even matters. I will then start moving on to the bottom and make the ships ascend and all that. It just gets tricky once you get the white die. That sh- you roll the white die and you don't know what's going to happen after that, right? Because anything you hadn't rolled yet, you're going to have to re-roll. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes like, oh, I, I really want to place the white die now because this number I really need before I do this other stuff. But if I do, I lose all these other numbers I really want too. <laughs> It's, it's so interesting. It's such an interesting game. It really is. It's also frustrating. For me. <laughs> I really like it. I'm, I'm going to just say I very much enjoy it. I like the campaign. I like the level of variety. The mm-hmm. fact that there's so many different yes. scenarios. The game, I'm not sure if it encourages you or not, but when I pick up the scenarios, I'll read just the comic side of them, the story side. 
So I've only seen half the scenarios of the game, having played through it already a good number of times. I don't even know what's stored on the other side of them. I don't even know what all other scenarios it has. I don't think we did, but yeah, there's so much replayability for the game and it's, it's a lot of fun to go through. I really like it. I really recommend it. It's good fun. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, we we should describe the way the campaign works because that is super interesting. Um, There's for each chapter, you're going to get three, maybe four cities. Um, no, four, maybe four five characters. Cities. Four, maybe five cities. Okay. And four different characters and three, generally speaking, three different scenarios. Um, and like Julius was saying, one set of scenario gives you all the details about it. The other side is like a comic book panel or two or three pa- panels. And it just has a little bit of text that gives you a hint about what the scenario is, but doesn't actually tell you. And it's really nice art and all that looks really cool. So when you go do the chapter, you're going to randomly pick one scenario, one city, and one character and put in a pile. Uh, Another scenario, another city, another character and put in a second pile. And these are the two cities you have to choose from for this game. You're going to pick one of them, you know, look at the information you have, pick which one you want to play against, and that's what you're going to set up. The other one was destroyed. It is now out of the campaign entirely. You put it in a bag. They even give you a nice big bag for it. And, and you never get to see that stuff again. Um, I think you keep the ally, but the city is gone and the scenario is gone. And you don't do the scenario. Mm-hmm. And so you play the game. Once you finish that, you're going to do the same thing again with the remaining tiles. You're going to pick the two cities, and the two characters, and the two scenarios. Choose one to destroy and choose one to keep. The, the and, one and you keep don't the pick... Game. The ally is not saved, just to be clear. The ally is not saved. That's right. <laughs> it does say something in the rule book like that. Like um, It gives this ominous notice, like the other ones are lost. Yes. <laughs> Feel bad about it. Yeah. I'm like, which, it's not lost. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it's not yeah, lost. So, so you're going to play through the campaign, and half the stuff you're never even going to see. Right? You don't know what it is. So the first time you play through it, at most you don't have the content. Next time you play, you might find out what the rest is, but you may not find all of it. Mm-hmm. So it's, you'll, you'll be able to go through the campaign a few times before you see everything, if you choose to do it that Agreed. Way. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, and that that is neat. I really like that. I really like I really like the process of choosing, and it was always really hard because I didn't want to lose any city. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's the campaign game. Um the game does get progressively harder from campaign from chapter to chapter in that they introduce new mechanics and new tiles and stuff they could they'll do different things and Johnny speaking a little bit harder um but then it also balances out by giving you more characters and the characters always make it easy they have special abilities that they'll let you do something and these again have a front side and a back side and the front side is not quite as powerful as the back side and that's true i think for for all your components, the city, the front is not as powerful as the back. And the characters are not as front, powerful in front and the back. Same is true for the skies as well. <laughs> the backs are more powerful, <laughs> just powerful for them. Oh, yes. <laughs> You're right. So, yeah. So, so if you play the campaign, that's going to be anywhere from, say, 7 to 17 games. I don't know, something like that, right? Potentially quite a lot of games. Oh, and and if you're really bad at it, you're still gonna play at least seven. Yes. Games. No, I guess you could only do six. 
No, you have to do seven. So, yeah, so... Because there's the final. Well, if you don't save any cities, if, the, if you don't oh, save any cities, no, then there is no because then final. you have to play double, you have to double <laughs> the earlier ones. So then you have to play 12. Oh, then you do, yeah, you're right, you're right. So you'd play 12. It's the Muna number is seven. Okay. <laughs> and so that's the campaign. Um, did you want to say any more about the campaign, Julius, or? Uh, no, I think that's about it. Okay. The, then the other thing is, once you finish a campaign, or even if you chose not to do the campaign, you've got so many components in this game. There is so much variety in it because you could mix any combinations of cities with any of the sky tiles on, on either easy or hard difficulty. And you could choose to use or not use any of the allies or choose to use or not use any of the scenarios. Right. So, so there's so much variety there. If you like the scenarios, play with them. You know, if you don't leave them out and that's just as fine. Or play with the scenarios and multiple allies, play with even two mm-hmm. cities. Like there's a lot of things you can do. Yep. And that, that I think is really the neatest part about the game. The campaign is really well done and, and interesting. The story, you know, it's a typical story. Um, but just the way they implemented, it, I think was really well done. The way they implemented the whole thing. I, I really quite like it. What The other interesting thing is that they, they set it up so that you don't reveal the information as you play. Everything comes in the box in order. And the rule, the first thing is a piece of paper saying, hey, this stuff is in this order. Make sure you don't take it out of the order because we're going to reveal chapters as you go along. And each chapter is sealed with a little plastic wrap. So you have to unseal it first before you can get the components out. Which I think is neat. Makes It made it fun. It really made the campaign fun. Maybe want to like finish another game just so I could unlock the next chapter and see what's there. All right, Albert. I think we've just about covered the game at this point. I think I've made my final thoughts. Yeah. Do you have any more for us? Um, no, I don't. I th- well, I mean, I think I've said how much, how neat the game is. I've also said how stressful it is. I don't know how I feel about this game. I think it's a really good game, but <laughs> the campaign scares me. I think I'll avoid the campaign. I'll play it. So- just individual cities. Well, I think then for you, the sky is in fact falling. So therefore, like Chicken Little, I think we're out of here for tonight, folks. All right. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night, all. Bye-bye. Albert, hold off. Don't don't stop recording. Okay. Um, This can possibly be put into the end, but you made a comment that you don't understand the story. That I don't understand the story. About what it is that um, the aliens are trying to do. Oh, I, if I read it, I just don't remember. Well, because here's the thing. I was watching Star Trek this morning, and there's this episode where it turns out, this is Star Trek Voyager, that there's a, a species of, I think they're called the Voth, of alien um, lizardmen, Saurians, and they actually came from Earth and were so distantly related to them. And then it got me thinking, you know, like, like if we invaded them or they invaded us, would we kill them? or eat them. <laughs> and that's what that's where it led me to that statement saying I don't know what their Random intention thoughts. is. Are they the kind of aliens that want to eat us or kill us? Well, I don't know. They want to enslave us with their technology. That the the implication is that they uh, made the technology to make themselves better, but the mother brain and it's not really called but it's that purple heart, so mother heart I suppose. The mother heart technology they made to create no strife and no fighting. And they made it to be their final advance, but it was their doom because the the mother brain took them all over. So the idea is is that now it's going around capturing and restoring harmony for everyone. 
And by harmony, we mean <laughs> you will listen to us always. So that's what it's trying to do to Earth as well. Where is this story at? Is it in the It's chapters? in the chapters, yeah. Oh, okay. Why did little, I miss it? Because I read it. got everything. the little pictures. And the guy, the, the you at one point in time, we released the heart, the, the alien, the mother brain heart from our friendly alien that we meet. And he explains. I did not meet him. He explains. He explains mm-hmm. in the back of one of the chapters. I think it's chapter three. He explains. We created the heart to solve all the strife. We thought it would be our greatest oh. achievement. Instead, it was our greatest duty. Right. Now only him. you can save us by saving yourselves. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. So that's the story. And that's a spoiler we warned you about. Oh, huge spoiler right there. Indeed. <laughs> you know, and and I was thinking, humans would not invade another planet to eat people. I'm pretty sure. Because you imagine going to another planet and eating like um, dinosaur people or something like I'll that. My wife's vegetarian. I won't even tell her you said this. <laughs> okay. Unless it's an alien race of chickens. In that case, it might be. Oh gosh, I'll, I'll shut it off. <laughs> shut it down. Shut it off. Shut it down. Goodbye. <laughs> We're done. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.